Please take your seats. So this morning, we are continuing or we're concluding our sermon series on dunamis, the power of God in the letter to the Ephesians. We began it 10 weeks ago. Can you believe that? 10 weeks ago, we began it with the fact that Christians are rich in Jesus Christ. We are blessed to be children of God and we can communicate with God anytime we choose. We've received instructions on how to live in the dynamis, the power of God. And last week, Adrian talked to us about our call to arms and how we protect ourselves as Jesus followers with the armor of God. And before Paul gives his final greeting, he ends his instructions on Christian living with what probably is the most important thing that we can do to pray. Did you watch the football yesterday? Oh. I didn't either, actually. <laughs> I didn't watch the England game. I, uh, I was out shopping with Kate, weren't we, Paul? Um, but we did watch the end of the Australia and France game. And if you didn't watch it, and if, it was very tense towards the end. It got to penalties. And there were loads of penalties. How many penalties were there? About a million. I counted. No, I didn't. There were about 10 each. 10 each. That's a lot of penalties. It felt like it was going on forever. Um, and one thing I noticed that every time France, because of course it's in Australia, so any time, every time that France went to do a penalty shootout, the whole of the place booed. It's awful. You see? They're, they're saying that as well. I was like, that's really terrible. They're, they're booing. It just made me really cross, and I kept on saying it, didn't I? I did. So that's just really rude. It's very disrespectful. I didn't like it. It really annoyed me. Um, and the French team had to really try hard. Obviously, the idea of them booing is to, is to distract them, isn't it, and make them feel that they weren't important and they weren't supported. And so the French team had to really keep focused and block out the sounds of the boos. In our Christian living, putting on the armour of God is about blocking out the booze, really, yeah? It's about blocking out the distractions and not being deterred by them. And praying is the best way that we can block out the booze. It's the best thing that we can do when we find these distractions. Now, although prayer is not listed as part of the armour of God, Paul immediately begins to write about prayer after the armour of God because praying keeps us focused, and it's at the end of this letter, not that that is an indication of its order of importance. Perhaps it's more in keeping with the saying of save the best till last. So often we add prayer as a last resort and as, or as an afterthought. However, I read this statement about prayer this week that says prayer is fundamental, not supplemental. And it's so important to our Christian living and in particular in, in our spiritual warfare against Satan, when he seeks to disrupt, to deceive, to distract, to, to boo us um, and bring down the, ki the kingdom of God. So let's remind ourselves of what Paul actually says about prayer. He says this, and pray in the spirits on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Have you noticed how Paul keeps on using the word all? In that verse, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer is all encompassing. 
which tells us how important it is. So here's what he says. Firstly, pray on all occasions. That means pray all the time. Now, pray without ceasing. Now, to be praying all the time does not mean that we stop all activities in order to pray every waking moment of every day. Paul did not do that, nor did the apostles, nor did the believers, and nor did Jesus. But John MacArthur writes, to be praying at all times is to live in continual God consciousness. I like that. To live in continual God consciousness where everything we see and experience becomes a kind of prayer, lived in deep awareness and surrender to our Heavenly Father. It means that we are very conscious of the presence of our Heavenly Father in our daily lives, and we're having an ongoing conversation with him. So, for example, if, if we're tempted in some way, we ask God, our Heavenly Father, for his help to overcome the temptation. If we see something beautiful, we give thanks to our Father for his beautiful creation. If we see something evil, we ask our Father to make it right and even use us to that end. If we meet someone who, who doesn't believe, we ask God to draw that person to himself and to use us as a witness in that person's life. And when we encounter trouble or difficulty, we ask God to give us the strength to overcome it. Well, that pretty much covers life, doesn't it? So pray on all occasions. And then he says, pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. We can speak to God about anything. There are so many forms that conversation with him can take. As we sing, as we read the Bible in public, in private, we've seen some of all those forms this morning. As we're walking or talking, formally, informally, we've just said that God wants our prayers to be the basis of our everyday living. He wants to be involved in all areas of our lives, and our prayers may differ in different environments. In answer to question 178, what is prayer? The Westminster Larger Catechism answers as follows. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God in the name of Christ, by the help of his spirit, with confessions of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Well, this definition of prayer covers the essential basics of prayer, but that can take all different forms. How do you form a prayer? It's so easy to overcomplicate prayer and try to use fancy words to craft elaborate sentences so it may look perhaps that we're more spiritually mature, but that's so unnecessary. Anne Lamont says, all prayer can be reduced to these three words, help, thanks, wow. I like that. Help, thanks, wow. I often pray as I'm singing, often words of adoration. Maybe I'll shoot up an arrow prayer, a one-liner, as I'm about to face a difficult or unknown situation. You may have a particular form that you follow. Uh, a very popular one that I think they do in um, Sunday school is teaspoon, T-S-P. Teaspoon, thank you, sorry, please. I like to follow acts. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration. We begin our prayer by directing our attention to God and not to ourselves. For me, that just sets everything in order. Confession. We recognize that even though we try to live a life honoring to him, our human nature means that we will have messed up in some way. We need to recognize that and confess it and get ourselves right with God. Thanksgiving. It's so important to recognize God's blessing. 
Let's not be like the nine lepers who did not thank Jesus for healing them. Let's be mindful of the one who gave and be grateful and supplication. Let, this, is our, this is our specific request. Boyce wisely says, our prayer life will be poor if this is all we do, but it will also be less than it can be if we do not ask God for what we want and lay our needs before him. Jesus taught us to ask God for our needs when he prayed, give us this day our daily bread. If you're struggling with prayer and what to say, then this might be a helpful outline, a helpful form for you. So prayer should be continual. That is offered on all occasions and situations. Prayer should be varied depending on the occasion or situation you're in. And then he says, pray always. Now you may be thinking, you've already said that, but he's telling us to persevere. Just because God doesn't immediately answer your prayer, it's not a reason to give up. Now, we've all tried starting a new habit and found it difficult, haven't we? You want to start exercising every day or practicing your instrument or changing your eating habits and you find or whatever your list is. And you find that there's some kind of behavior inertia that makes the change difficult to establish as a habit. But the, for those who form such habit, the habit replaces the discipline and self-control. You do what you have the habit of doing. The Bible invites us to another healthy habit, prayer. Prayer has to become uh, as much a part of our daily lives as breathing and eating and drinking. It becomes your spiritual heartbeat. It never really stops even when you're unaware of it happening. Brother Lawrence calls it practicing the presence. I love that. Practicing the presence of God. God cares about the ordinary moments, the needs of our, each of our lives. Remember, prayer should be fundamental, not supplemental. So pray always. And then he says, pray for all the saints. We are not alone in this battle. This conflict with doubt and dismay, fear, confusion and uncertainty. We're all at different stages of our, in our faith journey, but we're all faith fighting the, this battle together. We can't put on the armor of God for another person. But we can pray for that person. We can call in reinforcements when we find them engaged in a struggle that they feel is they can't handle in that moment. We're to be aware of other people's situations and pray for them, to help them realize how much is available to them in the armor of God and to obtain specific help and strength. That's why we have our prayer focus here. It's a great way of praying for other people. And Paul asks for this, um, for this himself in this, in this very passage. He says here, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. This mighty apostle Paul has a deep sense of his need for prayer here. There are many matters that Paul deals with in his various prayers that we read in his letters, but primarily... And repeatedly, one request comes out again and again. He prays for other Christians that their spiritual understanding might be enlightened. The prayer of another person can change the whole atmosphere of one person's life, can't it? We are all testament to that. This week, I went to see Rob, who last Friday had brain surgery. Literally, he had brain surgery. 
And he said to me, you know, I, when, Claire, when I went into the operating theatre, I felt very calm, very at peace with all that was going on. And he said, that was because I knew that so many people were praying for me. That is literally what he said. That changed that whole situation. He's have, had brain surgery. <laughs> that changed that whole massive situation, that massive one that could cause a lot of anxiety into something that was peaceful and calm for him because he was aware of the prayers of other people. God constantly calls us to the ministry of prayer, both for ourselves and for one another. And when we learn to pray as God teaches us to pray, we release in our own lives and in the lives of others the immense, the enormous resources of God to strengthen the spirit and give inner stability and power to meet the pressures and the problems of life. What a way to end these instructions than to pray. It's the essence of our continued relationship with God. So he's given his final instructions on how to live in the dunamis, the power of God. And now he ends his letter. This is his yours sincerely or lots of love, love, love and hugs and kisses and whatever else you want to add. I don't know about you, but whenever I write letters, I always like to try and end positively. And, you know, there's a lot of advice on the internet on how to end a letter well. Writing a good ending to your letter can leave your reader with a positive impression and provide important information about the next steps for following up. And this is Paul's ending. He says, peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with undying love. He ends with a blessing. It was the custom in the ancient world for correspondents to end their letters with a wish, usually a secular wish for the reader's health and ha or happiness. And we do the same nowadays, don't we? But Paul sees no reason to abandon the convention in principle. But as he has Christianized his opening greeting, so he now Christianizes his final wish. Indeed, what he writes is half a wish and half a prayer. For the blessing he desires for his readers will come from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul wished for four blessings on the believer. Ken Hughes writes, as we ponder these blessings, we must keep before us the fact that they are the greatest blessings we could wish for, and we must learn to wish for them ourselves and for all we love. So what are these blessings? The first blessing is peace. We all want peace in our lives, don't we? We're not always sure what true peace is. Well, true peace is when we're in a right relationship with God. We're able to enjoy his blessing of peace. This is captured in that beautiful benediction in number six that we know so well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's living in a right relationship with God and knowing that peace. Peace is a gift from God. It's nurtured by faith and expressed most fully in our most difficult trials. When peace is inside us, it flows from us. Peace will be there in the one who loves Jesus. That's Rob's experience. 
The second blessing is love. The Ephesians believers excelled in love. Earlier, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. But sadly, over time, this love for one another waned. By the time the Apostle John wrote the Revelation, Jesus said of the church in Ephesus, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned your love that you had at first. Let us not let us be that let that not be true of us. We have the ability to love because he first loved us. So let us love as God loves us. The third blessing is faith. Trust in uncertainty. Boyce explains this faith, a general confidence in God. It is knowing that when God says that he is able to keep us from falling and present us before his presence with exceeding joy, he means exactly that and will do it. Paul wishes every believer to experience this kind of faith. And fourthly and finally, the the, the fourth blessing is that of grace. Grace is the very first work of formal greeting of this letter. And it's here that he closes this letter. Grace is always a gift that cannot be earned with merit. It is an unending flow from God's throne to us through the conduit of his love. It is through Christ Jesus you can receive it today. Paul wishes that believers may know experientially God's grace in their daily lives. So that's Ephesians. In a nutshell, what is Ephesians saying to us? It's saying, well, grace, peace, love, and faith. By grace, we have been saved. Amazing grace, stupendous grace, grace beyond understanding, grace that we receive through faith, grace God gives us because of his love, and the result is peace, peace with God and peace with each other in what God calls the church. The result is a changed life and a person that has now left behind the old sinful way of living but follows God in his new way. And a person that is now motivated by faith and love. Love for those who haven't yet heard about the grace of God, for those who still don't have peace with God. The result is a a born-again person whose sole reason for living is to please God, living righteously and working to see God's purposes done. This is all accomplished through the the dynamis, the power of God in and around us. So today I want to to give a challenge to us all, really. Firstly, perhaps there's someone here, you don't know God. You don't have peace with God. I want to ask you to consider the claims of the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, but you need to believe that. And you need to trust Jesus. You need to be sorry for the wrong things you've done and you want to change with God's help and to follow Jesus to do what he says. I'd also like to issue a challenge to others. Perhaps you thought that you were a Christian, but you realize now that being a Christian is more than just words. It's about following Jesus. It's about a changed life. And I'd like to challenge you to be more serious about following Jesus. To make him the reason you live. Serving him in the way it tells us to in Ephesians. And I'd like to issue a challenge for us all, me included. We could all improve in our Christian living. None of us are perfect this side of eternity. 
Don't just listen today and go off and live how you please. As Christians, it's our aim to be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, as it says in Ephesians 5, to be imitators of God as beloved children. And so we're going to take this time to pray and ask the Lord to, to speak to us. And we're going to use a beautiful prayer. Um, that The words will come up on the screen just now. That It says, speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us. Shape and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for this glory, for your glory. Prayer can take form in all sorts of different ways. It can be as we sing these words. It can be in the quietness as we just sit and listen. It can be in this place here. This is not a place of disgrace. This is a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Let's take this opportunity to allow the Lord to speak to us. For us to commune with him. To find in him this grace, this peace, this love, this faith. That will enable us to be more and more like him. And to leave this place in the power, the dynamis of God. So we're going to listen to the tune to remind us of how it goes. And as we do, we can pray these words. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. And then we'll sing it together as our prayer.
And so let me pray with you. Father, we pray the very daring prayer, your kingdom come. We ask you to stir our hearts to know your holiness. We long for the power and life of your kingdom to be known in our community, in our city, in our world. Give us each the forgiveness only you can give. Deliver us from evil. Make us more and more like you. Show us your glory. Help us to live in that glory. Amen.